The business landscape is hyper-competitive and thanks to technology, is changing at breakneck speed. Executives, directors, and managers are all looking to develop and implement the next innovative idea to differentiate their brand, drive growth, and build awareness for their companies. The problem is they don't always know where to look or what strategic advice to follow. As a leading speakers bureau and communications agency, Stern Strategy Group has a direct plug to world-renowned thought leaders, executives, and practitioners actively transforming the future of businesses across industries, disciplines, and the globe. Each season, our network of experts demystifies the rapid changes occurring in technology, marketing, strategy, healthcare, education, and much, much more. Whether you're looking for ways to improve your business model, reach new consumers, fine-tune your operations, or just make sense of artificial intelligence, you'll be privy to the insider knowledge shared in each episode. Amazingly, many of the lessons are just as applicable to your personal life as they are to your business. This is episode 19 of Minds Worth Meeting. Today, you'll meet Melissa Fries, Executive Director of the College and Alumni Program, or CAP, at the Making Waves Foundation based in California. What you'll learn from Melissa is that getting kids to college isn't enough. The CAP program's mission is to offer guidance, support, and resources to historically underrepresented and underserved students so that they graduate in a timely manner with minimal student loan debt. Melissa explains the devastating statistics that plague students and reveals what the CAP program does to close those success rate gaps. Everything from setting a course schedule to preparing to enter a career after college. Encouraging educators to think beyond getting accepted into college, she also offers helpful actions that K-12 educators and higher learning institutions can do for their students today. If you have colleagues, friends, or family who you know are interested in learning about the latest research and trends that will help them grow their 21st century organizations, please do us a favor and give the gift of a competitive advantage by sharing Minds Worth Meeting with them so they can download and subscribe as well. And with that, we'll get into our episode with Melissa Fries. Melissa, thanks so much for joining us on Minds Worth Meeting. Why don't you tell our listeners a bit about who you are and what you do? All right. Thank you for having me. My name is Melissa Fries. I'm the executive director of CAP, which is the college success component of Making Waves Foundation's work. Um, What we do is focus on students once they're in college to make sure they're graduating in a timely way with as little debt as possible. And what led you to this point in your career? How did you get here? (laughs) Um, I've always find that question interesting because I've been with our organization for 19 years. And I think (laughs) it's a long time. I think people, um, when you think about a career, think there's a particular focus you go in with. And there are a lucky few who say, I want to be a doctor and they become a doctor and that's their pathway. But for a lot of us, it's really trying to figure out What do I like to do? What am I good at? Um, And how do those things match up? And sometimes it takes a very long time to figure that out. So that's a roundabout way of me saying I came into this work because I really enjoyed the organization as a volunteer and as a board member. Um, And when back in 2000, we decided that we wanted to expand our what we were then was an after school program to another location. I came off the board and became a full time employee to lead that effort to grow our program in another location. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I, I thought at that point I'd stay a few years and 
Um, and, and then again, I, I thought maybe I'll be a lawyer and I really fell in love with the students, families, the work. Um, and every year with a new year, cause we started with fifth graders. So we'd never had sixth graders, seventh graders and on and on. So really wanting to see students through what they came in to do in fifth grade, which was to graduate from college. So a great honor and privilege has been to be a part of families' lives when they start at 10 as fifth graders thinking, I want to go to college and work with them throughout that process. Um, this weekend, one of those students who I've known since he was 10 texted me and said, I got into NYU Law School. So those are the reasons that really keep me working here is to see the amazing change that our programming has on students' lives. Wonderful. So tell us a bit about your college and alumni program, otherwise known as CAP. What makes it different from other college readiness programs? I think um, our particular focus on college success, we do a little bit of overlap with access. So making sure students choose the sustainable fit for college, because we think that's a key decision point is where are you going to go to college and do you have the funding um, and knowledge you need to make that really huge decision where you're going to spend the next four, maybe five, six years of your life. But our focus really is once students are in college, how do we ensure they understand that they not only have an education plan they need to follow to graduate from college, how do their units add up, how do their course patterns add up, but also how do they develop themselves professionally so once they've earned their degree, they have a skill set and a profile to really get themselves into a career. That's why they're going to college is to change that trajectory of their lives. So we want to make sure they're ready for that. We also provide funding and financial literacy skills so our students know what's required financially, which is a huge cost to go to college, mm -hmm. and understand how to budget to get there and really build a solid foundation of those skills for when they're adults. So we kind of look at how are our students preparing themselves and how are we helping them be adults at 25. So they're really set up for success in going into endeavors such as graduate school or the career or buying a car or buying a house, starting a family and really have some solid footing underneath them. And so you mentioned that your focus is on success versus access. So you're focused on all the elements that go into earning a college degree and then being successful afterwards. Basically things they don't teach us in high school and in college. You're, you're kind of filling that gap. Is that correct? You've got it. Um, so when I say access, I really mean things like AP testing, mm -hmm. SAT, ACT applications. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into it and we completely respect that work. And that's what college counselors focus on a lot of times. And we work closely with our team at Making Waves Academy, who does that work with all of our high school students. We do a little overlap in educating parents about the financial component of making a decision about where to go to college. But we're really focused, once students get in, are they confident? Um, do they know how they solve problems? Do they know how they make decisions? Do they have all these little things in place that really middle and upper middle class families provide for their students? which is hard to do when you've never been to college yourself mm -hmm. or if you don't have a professional career, how do you navigate that? We want to fill in those gaps that might exist if our families aren't able to provide that to their students. So that leads me right into the demographics that you target with CAP. Tell us more about the obstacles that historically underrepresented and underserved students face before, during, and even after college and how you help them overcome that. 
I think that all college students nationally right now are struggling in the country. Only 59% of college going students actually earn a degree. So grounding our work in that statistic that this is a problem for all students going to college. Mm. But since only 11% of low income students are graduating, there's a much deeper problem in that demographic that we're trying to help solve. So students all over facing their debt. It's really expensive to go to college. It's far outpaced inflation in terms of cost. Um, students are spending more than four years, you know, five, six years. Every year you're in college beyond four, you're losing money to earn and possibly taking on more debt. Um, and then what, what are students doing after college? I think there's, you know, a national spotlight on, oh, you're a barista and you have a degree. Um, our goal really with career is choice. Um, we want students to be able to choose what they want to do and know what those choices are. And when you're starting college, you're 17 or 18 years old, maybe you've never paid a bill, made a big financial decision, um, <laughs> or understand what careers are out there. Right. I mean, for me, I was from a very working class background in terms of my mom was a receptionist and she didn't know the, you know, vice president of marketing and all the kinds of careers that are out there that are somewhat hidden if you don't have exposure to that. Right. So a lot of what we're trying to give our students is experience and exposure because for low-income students, those are the things that are really missing from the puzzle oftentimes, and we want to fill in that gap. We want students to understand how to manage money, how to write a resume, how to do an informational interview, and really understand the larger context in which they're getting their degree and then trying to apply it. So walk me through the, the journey that a student might have in your program. You mentioned that you started with some students in fifth grade. What is the, the long-term program look like for them and and how are how are you involved and entrenched in their their college education and their careers so we we have been around a very long time this is our 30th year congratulations and in 19, ah, thank you it's amazing to have been around for such a large portion of that but we started with students in fifth grade we've learned we learned so much with our first cohort who are delightful group of 40 year olds at this point in their lives. So they came to us and we said, if, if you can get into college, we'll, you know, support you and make sure you graduate. We learned all the other things we needed to do than just provide, you know, future funding for a college education. So with our programming focused on what are you not getting at school that you really need to get into college? You know, a lot of vocabulary building, reading, writing comprehension, mathematics support, and really helping students get placed in schools that were helping support them go to college. We decided along the way we'd be better off opening our own school and having students for a larger, longer portion of the day mm -hmm. and really being involved in getting them prepared in our own setting. So we opened our academy in 2007. So what that means for CAP is that we have students still from our after-school program who are finishing college, and now we have students from our academy who are finishing college. And that's who we're working with in terms of the MWA population or the Making Waves population. Mm -hmm. And we, we also started a scholarship for students outside and beyond the Making Waves environment because we knew there were many, many more low-income students out in the world, specifically in the Bay Area, that needed help finishing the degree. So getting in, we really closed a lot of that. There's a 16% difference between low income and middle high income students who are getting into college. But that gap I said earlier between 11% and 59 actually finishing, mm -hmm. that's where we're focused. 
And so we opened it up and we have students from throughout the nine Bay Area counties who are also in college that we're supporting. Once students are in the program in spring of their senior year, we're really focused on creating a budget, setting some goals in the areas of academics, professional development, communication, wellness, really the components we feel are going to lead to a successful life and time in college. So students are working with their coaches because we also have a team of coaches working on the academic and social emotional piece of college with the financial team working on that affordability piece. So each student has a person, a two person team to help them maneuver through college. Additionally, providing that scholarship helps ease the burden on our families in terms of ability to pay. So our work is really focused on students calling in predominantly because they're in school all over the country, predominantly in California, but calling in and talking to their coach each week to problem solve, to plan, to really talk through what challenges are you facing right now in college that we can help you unravel. Might be a problem with a roommate. It might be a midterm they're having to prep for a lab class that's really challenging, going in to talk to a professor, really navigating campus, engaging with campus and getting the most out of a college career is what the coaches are focused on. That's so fantastic. You know, so, so many students have to walk through this college journey alone. So this is, this sounds like a fantastic program as far as helping them be successful all the way around, not just academically, but as it, as it pertains to their future careers. Um, I wanted to, to talk about some national statistics and you mentioned um, students maybe in school four to six years. Uh, national statistics show that most students take six to eight years to, to graduate college. In general, what from your perspective is driving that trend? I think that the sixth year is, the, you're right on, sixth year is the national marker for college um, degree achievement we're really trying to drive it back to the four year obstacles in place because of, because of the cost in both time and money for our students. But I think the obstacles that lead to that statistic are the huge rate of growth in terms of cost for attending college. Students can no longer just work over the summer and cover a large portion of their tuition. So that leads to students having to work more hours while they're in college which means they're having less time to take more classes while they're in college and just focus on being a student. They're working in a lot of cases too many hours to be able to do that. Um, we also have a, we have large impaction at our public universities so that students can't always get the classes they need in order to graduate in a timely way. Mm -hmm. So between those two things are, are, I'd say, the primary reasons that it's really hard for students to graduate on time. You can also add in um, academic preparation. So the difference between a high school class and a college class is great. Um, and managing your time is a big lesson for students to learn in their first year. When you start in high school, you're, you know, kind of programmed. The bell rings and your classes are set and you're there every day from, you know, eight o'clock to three o'clock or whatever schedule your school has. Whereas in college, you might have classes on two days a week. You have a lot of free time. And so that's a challenge for students to maneuver how to set up a schedule that really works for them. Um, so if, if, if they're not able to do that, oftentimes there's some failing of classes that has to be made up for too that can add to the time in college. And you stress the need to shift conversations to college success versus college access, as we've, as we've mentioned. 
why hasn't college success been an industry focus until now? I think the problem was really identified as we don't have enough students from lower income backgrounds getting access to go to college. So that made sense. You want to focus on getting students to college. Um, and then you say, oh, well, they're now getting in, but we're looking at a 50-year trend report and they're not actually getting out. So then your focus shifts to how do we help students succeed? What we're seeing on the horizon now, the next thing's going to be like, what's happening to them after they graduate? And so right. really putting in the supports now that we can to say access still remains important. Success is equally as important. And we got to add in this third leg to say, how are students prepared to go on to graduate school or to get into a career? And speaking for myself, I wasn't 100% sure what graduate school meant. I knew there were law degrees and medical degrees, but in terms of master's programs, MBAs, you know, the why PhD, all the other different degrees you can earn, that's another educational piece students need to know about early on because your GPA as an undergrad really impacts your ability to go on and do those types of degrees. Right, right. So uh, um, much of our audience are from higher education institutions. So what could they be doing to better help these students acclimate to campus life and to boost their success? I think I've seen some great work at a couple of different institutions, and one of them really highlights the amount of faculty and staff on the campus who are first-generation students themselves. I think mm -hmm. the feeling of belonging and, and the sense of you're not alone is hugely important psychologically because I think there's a thought that I don't belong here or I don't understand this or nobody understands me. And to see people on your campus that have you know been on the same path as you is important. I've seen other campuses where they instituted technology to really reach out to students. They have bots sending texts, reminding students to take care of things. And I think that's important too, because if you don't have someone at home who's reminding you that, you know, you have to turn in your housing application or your fees for, um, you know, student life are due, you, you don't know to even look for those things. So mm -hmm. reaching out to me is a primary way that campuses can help students feel welcome and help students accomplish tasks that they might not be aware that they need to do, which can lead to be barriers that you can be removed from campus because you didn't pay something or you didn't turn some, some paperwork in. Those are really important ways that institutions themselves can create a sense of belonging and help students stay on track administratively to, to maintain their place at the university. Oh, I can definitely relate to that. I've had a, a semester's worth of classes dropped because I didn't meet a deadline. So, <laughs> but I didn't know. Yep. I wasn't aware. So I, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, college affordability, as you mentioned, is a hot topic right now, um, particularly as student debt totals more than one and a half trillion dollars in the U.S. How are you helping your students minimize their debt? I know you've mentioned you have you offer scholarships. But what else are you doing to, to help keep this number low? Um, we, again, with that affordability decision, we mm -hmm. encourage our families not to take on more than $20,000 in debt total when they graduate. Okay. So really framing it because, you know, it's, you're shopping around for something and you want to know what should I look for. We want you to see what's the freshman retention rate, what's the graduation rate for your demographic. And what's the debt rate of students coming out of that institution? Those are really important factors when you're 
kind of shopping for the school that you want to attend. Yeah, I've, I've never heard um, anyone say that. That That's so true. Yeah, well, we know our students often help their families financially. Sometimes they're in college and definitely afterward. Mm-hmm. Upper and middle in-class families are getting help from their parents. So we don't want to put our students even more behind by right. taking on crippling amounts of debt. Um, and you were going to ask me a question about college cost. So I looked up the average cost for a public institution, a four-year public institution is $19,000 and a private is averaging $40,000 for a four-year for each year in school, which oh means goodness. people can be paying up to $80,000 a year for a college, I mean, $80,000 for an entire college education. That's a big price tag. So you want to know how much of that is going to be loans that I actually have to pay back and how long and is it going to take me and how much each month is that going to eat into a paycheck I get after I graduate. And one of the things I talked about was we used to be able to work during the summer and make a dent in the cost of college education. On average in 1989, it was about $27,000 and ingested for inflation, that would be 53000 but as I just said, it's about $80,000 for a public institution and what, 160 for a uh, private ed- education. So we've really outpaced in terms of cost what would seem normal um, with inflation over time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just knowing how much are we talking about all in? You don't want to do this one year by one year by one year. You want to say, if I get the same level of financial aid each year I'm in college, what does that look like for my debt and oftentimes my family's debt? And what's a realistic number to be thinking about? We don't tell students they can't take on more debt. It's an individual's family choice, but we give them the options. We explain to them in a setting overall, what does this look like for you and your family so they can make a decision as a family? I think oftentimes it's like, you got into this great school. You should just go there. It doesn't matter how much it costs. But really, it does matter how much it costs because it puts our students further and further behind. They're low income when they enter. And we want, once they have that degree, to no longer be in low income status, that they're able to navigate and take advantage of opportunities that are out there to pull them and their families out of the burden of existing in a low income status. We don't want them living check to check and and being stressed all the time. We want them to tap into choice and opportunity in their lives. Mm-hmm. And and just going back to before we even get to college, at what point in in the high school career should we be asking these questions uh, about colleges and and which one I should choose based on these metrics that you've laid out for us? Well, I think it's really important for students um, to know, for families really to know about the cost of college when students are really young, because mm-hmm. the sooner you can save, the better off you're going to be. Um, and, you know, your $10 a week or whatever you can put in there can has time to grow. It doesn't have so much time when you're in a, a senior in college or you're in ninth grade. So really having families understand the savings model for growing money over time to get to having some impact on your child's ability to go to college. That's one. I think also having um, financial literacy classes is important for students to start understanding how money works. Um, but I also know that you don't pay as much attention to something until it's kind of in your face. Mm-hmm. So when you're trying to decide about where to go to college is when the information becomes most valuable and young people are most likely to listen. 
But I do think it's important to say, what are your choices going to look like with your academic profile? Um, and what is an academic profile? And that really means what are your grades and what are your test scores? And what is that achievement for you going to look like in terms of funding when you're going to college so that students know what they're doing in ninth, 10th and 11th grade all add up to the ability to tap into more resources that could be merit based. So we want students to understand how they have some control in this situation as well. And and does your program, does the CAP program only focus on success in, in four-year institutions? Or do you also prepare students for trade schools, maybe if they want to be a chef or a cosmetologist? Yes, for students coming out of our academy, there is the option to go to a two-year school. For the scholarship program we provide for CAP Bay Area, it is based on four-year college attendance. Okay. But for those students, we can provide support from the academy. We talk a lot about a, a about what is your desire. If you want to be an auto mechanic, you can make a good living. You can have an impact. Mm -hmm. um, everybody needs to get their car fixed at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and students who do want to go into cosmetology or plumbing or be an electrician, those are things, yes, we support. And we look at what are the schools around us that provide the training and education to do that and the certification. And then there are students who say, you know what, I didn't get myself together in high school, but I do want to go to college. So I'm going to get on a transfer path and I'm going to attend a community college and get done what I need to and then possibly go to my dream school or a school I didn't even know about when I was in high school. So we really want students to have choice and agency in what they're doing. So for our academy students, we do provide that pathway as well. That's great. So students can go through this academy and still have you as a resource and have coaches as a resource throughout their college journey, no matter where they go to college. Yeah, and I think students always see the financial piece as big. Oh, I have access to tap into this money to support me. And yes, that's true. That's real. That's important. But they also have a human resource in the CAP program with both a financial team member who can help them set up a budget and think about what things might cost and a coach who can help them navigate through lots of bureaucracy and questions and path, you know, you got to chart out a path to get to a certificate, chart out a path to get to an AA degree or to transfer. And these are folks who can help you navigate your campus to get the information you need to be successful in what you want to do. We're really big on plans in CAP. We talk about planning your educational pathway and we talk about planning, you know, your budget, really getting ahead of things because if you don't, one little thing can seem like the biggest obstacle. And if you were already concerned that maybe you didn't belong on campus or this was too stressful, one little obstacle can derail you. Oh, I don't have enough money for that book, so forget it. I'm going to drop the class. Maybe I'm just going to drop out. And it leads in a spiral, especially when you're, you're young and you're just trying to figure things out. Things are overwhelming and stressful, and we want to remove as many obstacles for students as possible. Wonderful. You're doing exceptional work with students in the Bay Area. What advice would you give other organizations looking to help underserved students succeed in college? I think for me, two big things are, do college counselors know how to read a financial aid package? You know, a lot of times a student will say, oh, I'm getting a free ride. But when you look line by line, there's a Parent PLUS loan in there. There's work mm. study in there. There's student loans in there. And you want to make sure students understand what they're being offered and what a full cost of attendance is. And for 
you know, if you're 17 or 18 and you haven't lived alone, you don't know that you're going to need to do your laundry. You're going to need to get home um, at least a couple times a year, and that's transportation costs. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to go out with your friends, and you're going to need money for that. And as a public school student, usually your books are provided for you, and in college, now you have to buy them. And so factoring in all the little things that when you live at home, your parents usually provide you with, you have to start thinking in a different way. You know, oh, I need to now buy soap and lotion and Q-tips all on my own. And thinking about things that if someone didn't prep you for, you might not know. Um, and so I think that's really important. Again, helping students understand what things cost and how to set a budget. And I think helping students understand how they stay motivated over the summer before college starts. You know, after graduation, you wake, you wake up. Maybe there's no alarm clock that goes off. Maybe you don't have a job and you don't have anything to do. And it gives you a lot of time to start thinking and doubting and worrying. And as much intervention as anyone can do to say, you're good, you deserve this and you need to go for it. Um, I think that encouragement over the summer before uh, they go away to school is, is hugely important. And I always recommend summer school. Take classes at your local community college. Stay engaged. Understand the pace and intensity of a college class. Meet new people. Try something new. Those are really good ways to kind of maintain a momentum around education and schooling and scheduling that I think can really have an impact. That's great. So let me just recap that. You said to make sure that college counselors are communicating the financial aid letter properly, that that students are setting a budget and, and keeping in mind the little things that will come up through their college journey, like the day-to-day things, um, and, and staying motivated. I think those are, those are great tips. As we're, as we're wrapping up here, just a couple of questions. Um, what do you wish people asked you about your work that they never do? That's a great question. Um, I think for me, it's really the general context of what we're doing. We spend a lot of time and we give out a lot of funding for students to go to college. But knowing that nationally, only 59% of students who start college actually finish is a really good thing for everyone to know. Mm -hmm. This is a national problem for every student. And to know that only 11% of low-income students are graduating. So understanding the context of our work for me is hugely important. And really understanding the myriad of factors that hinder students in the low economic status from actually graduating and all the time and intensity it's going to take for all of us in the country to really try to address those needs so that everyone has access and can achieve a degree. So when are you taking the CAP program nationwide? That's what I'm looking forward to. (laughs) Well, I wish we could do that tomorrow. I think we, we know there's a huge need in 2015, 16, when we started Cat Bay Area, yeah. we did that because um, if students don't start with us in fifth grade at our academy, we don't really have access. They can, I think, mm. join, come off the wait list for a couple years. But there are students we knew who worked really hard in high school and had gotten themselves into a four-year institution. And based on the statistics, we knew a lot of them weren't actually going to earn their degree. And we wanted to help those students. So we started that program. And we didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And we we opened up the application for 100 slots. And we had over 1,000 students start the application. And oh that goodness. was mind-blowing. So 
we know there's a need and we'd like to get out there as quickly as possible, but we need a lot of funding to come our way in order to do that. Um, and scaling has a lot of its own challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, but if we could start with getting the funding, we could get out there and have greater impact throughout California and then the nation because the need is high. Yes. Yes. Melissa, where can listeners find you and making ways and the cap program online? We can, you can go to our website, making-waves.org and under the CAT program and how we help, I think there's links to click in. And this may, if I can do a shameless plug, we're having a college success. <laughs> Thanks. We're doing a college success institute in Berkeley, May 20th and 21st. And that's really to gather success professionals from throughout the country to get in there and do this work and learn from each other and get better at what we're doing. Cause there are other organizations doing work around college success, but we don't always get time to just focus on that with each other. A lot of the national conferences bring in access and success. And we really want to bring everyone to just focus a conversation around once students are in, how do we work to ensure that they actually get their degree? Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been very enlightening. Yeah, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate being offered the opportunity. Thank you. Anytime. Make sure to check the show notes for links to the Making Waves website, the college and alumni program, and information about their first College Success Institute this May 20th and 21st. I know there's someone in your life who would benefit from hearing this episode, so please introduce them to Minds Worth Meeting. If you haven't yet subscribed to Minds Worth Meeting or left us a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, please do that if you enjoy the episode. You can also find us on Twitter at Stern Strategy and at Stern Speakers, and you'll find Stern Strategy Group on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And if there are topics or industries that you're most interested in learning about that you haven't heard on the show or that you want to hear more of, send an email to mindsworthmeeting at sternstrategy.com or reach out to us on any of our social media pages. Let us know what interests you or what your company's challenges are. And make sure to subscribe so you're the first to know about new episodes. Thanks again for listening to Mindsworth Meeting. I'm your host, Whitney Jennings. Until next time.